0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Swish Podcast. I'm Jake. and
1: hey, I'm also Jake, and today it's such an honor for the Swish Podcast crew to welcome MLB.com and Yankees beat reporter Brian Hope to the podcast. We can't thank you enough for joining us, and we can't wait to get
2: started. So, Brian, I hope you've been staying safe. So, how have you been? We've been good. Um, my family, Nancy and I, we stayed here in Tampa, Florida. We, were, uh, we thought spring training would start up again here. But uh, kind of got caught by surprise the fact that spring training will now be at Yankee Stadium. So we're getting, we're packing up, we're getting ready to head north, and um, just looking forward to getting baseball back on the field. Um, sounds like July first, spring training, the second spring training will start. So it'd be good to have the guys back. I think a lot of people were wondering if baseball could or would be able to come back this year, and I think it's a really good sign that. Uh, it sounds like they've come to some kind of agreement where it can be safe and uh, where they can really get this shot. So uh, I know I've missed it a lot. I've missed uh, I, I definitely baseball is kind of part of my life. You know, I, I set my schedule to where the Yankees are every night and uh, without games on the TV or games to go to. It's, uh, it's been a strange year so far, but uh, hopefully it'll also become a lot of fun when they get playing games again.
0: Yeah, so we hope that you and your family are staying safe, and let's start the interview. So now we're gonna we gonna ask you some questions first before we get to like more like regular as MLB questions. Our, our first one is: yeah. When you were young, did you play any sports, or did you just want to like just do sports writing? I, I
2: played baseball, but I knew that if I was gonna ever get to a major league clubhouse, it was not gonna be as a player. You know, I was okay. Um, I liked to pitch, play play the outfield, play first base, and I, I played a little bit high school, into college, but like I said, I wasn't good enough to, to go pro or be drafted, so I always enjoyed writing, um, I, I was kind of interested in writing, interested in newspapers and baseball, and um, I was lucky enough to come, I was growing up, I was about your guys' age, I was 14, um, and we're talking like the, the Wild West days of the internet, where um, you know, dial-up internet, AOL, all that stuff, and obviously I'm older than you guys, but uh, websites weren't really a thing then, and so I started a website for my favorite team, which was the Mets at the time, and you know, you probably call it a blog today, but we didn't know what a blog was then, and uh, it just gave me an opportunity to start writing about baseball, something I was passionate about, Um, you know, kind of do game recaps, box scores, uh, team history, that kind of stuff, and Um, that didn't exist on the internet at that time. So that really opened up a lot of opportunities for me and kind of told me that this was something I'd like to pursue uh, as a career.
1: So this one's kind of similar, to what you just mentioned, but like, when do you really know you wanted to become like a writer slash reporter? Yeah, I don't think I ever really thought about it as a career, probably
2: until I was in my late teens, probably a junior or senior in high school. And I actually got the opportunity to, intern with the Mets my senior year of high school Um, they reached out to me they were starting up Mets.com and I had this Mets webpage that uh, had gotten a a pretty good audience going and so they said hey why don't you come to Shea Stadium and you can see how we're doing things maybe if you want to help out with some stuff and I mean you know I'm 18 years old you don't say no to an opportunity like that I I just paying my way into Mets games and Um, now, now I get to go behind the scenes and, you know, walk around in in the offices and the clubhouse. So once I got that peek behind the curtain, I put in the door, I I knew that this was a career that I wanted. Um, you know, most people don't get to see the inside of the press box, see all the writers who are coming up with their game stories on deadline. And, um, I was just fascinated by that. I thought that was a cool environment to be in. Um, yeah, like I said, once I got a foot in the door, I just never wanted to let it close. So I did a lot of freelance jobs, uh, I was. Uh, I went to college, pursued communications in college, was writing for magazines, newspapers, web pages, whatever, and uh, finally in 2007, uh, the Yankees beat came open at MLB.com, and I'd already been freelancing for MLB at that point, and I made sure that they, know, they knew, I know you guys think of me as a Mets writer at this time, but I could totally cover the Yankees too, I would love that, that would be a great opportunity, and um you know to talk to the right people and a few days uh right before new year's i think right after christmas between new year's uh, there uh they called me and i accepted even before i asked what it paid it didn't matter i was taking that job no matter what so um you know and now it's been more than 10 years so pretty crazy
0: okay so our third question is while you were growing up did you have a favorite baseball team and like player that you looked up to growing up so, uh it's a good question. It's kind of a complicated
2: story because I started out a Yankee fan. Uh, Don Mattingly was my guy. I had his poster on, his, on my wall. And then um, I, I was a Yankee fan. Everybody in my neighborhood was a Yankee fan. And then the strike happened in 1994. Baseball shut down, and I would have been 12 years old. And that just broke my heart. The fact that they were in a pennant race. It was August, and then baseball just stopped, and there was no World Series. and So I kind of lost interest in baseball for a little while. You know, the Rangers were good at that time and Knicks were good at that time. So I just started watching other sports. The Jets were never good, but they were my team. Um, And and so in 96, uh, spring training is happening and my dad was a Mets fan. My grandpa was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan who became a Mets fan. So they were telling me, oh, come watch the Mets with us. Like, you you don't watch the Yankees anymore anyway. So I did. I started following the Mets a little bit then, and I, I kind of got hooked on them. But that was really bad timing because I would have been a high school freshman. Nineteen ninety-six, the Yankees went to World Series. Ninety-eight, they went to the World Series. Ninety-nine, they went to the World Series. Two thousand, they went to the World Series, and I missed it all. I was on the other side of town, uh, hoping the Mets would win a World Series, and of course they didn't. So um, I, I definitely heard that a lot from my friends in the, in school. Um, but Mattingly would be my favorite all time Yankee. And I actually got to talk to him when he was the hitting coach. I came on beat 2007, and he was the hitting coach here. And I remember I was just terrified to talk to him because I didn't want him to be a jerk, and it would have ruined him kind of all my childhood, but he was fantastic. And I remember, I I don't even remember what I talked to him about. It was probably somebody's swing or whatever. And I walked away, and I just said, whew. You know, I was so relieved that Mattingly was a good dude because I I felt like my childhood was intact then.
1: So you kind of mentioned this before but you started that Mets online blog which um did you learn anything about kind of writing doing that?
2: Definitely. Definitely. I think writing is like anything. The more you do it, the more you practice um the better at it you're going to get. And I always tell people to read as much as you can, write as much as you can. It doesn't really matter what you're reading. I books, magazines, newspapers, I the back of a shampoo bottle. Uh, there's always stuff that you can read, and you learn what you like and what you don't like. And so I, I think a lot of that I probably did trial and error. I, I can't find anything I wrote when I was 14 or 15, but um, I'm sure I've gotten better. I hope I've gotten better since then. Um, so... Uh, but I, I think that it's the kind of thing you have to do. You have to practice it. You make mistakes and you learn from them. But uh, having that kind of hands-on experience, I think that was something you can't really learn in a classroom. That was something you're just doing it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then you try try again next time. But uh, I think that was definitely very valuable for me. And to just kind of get those, that practice, get those reps and learn um, how to write, how, what my writing style was going to be like.
0: Cat. Okay, so our next question is, as your career moved forward, were there any, like, writers or reporters that you looked up to?
2: Definitely, definitely. I mean, I try – currently I try to read every single paper in New York every day. I, I don't get through all of them, but certainly the sports sections, I I try to read everything. And so um, some of the names that are coming to my mind, I mean, Joel Sherman at the New York Post, Jack Curry at the Yes Network when he was at the New York Times, definitely read him a lot. Um you know, pretty much everybody on the Yankee beat now. I think that they're really quality groups. Sweeney Murdy at WFAN, I know he's not a writer, but I really respect the way he's able to interview people and he speaks so eloquently about baseball on the air. Um, you know, John Sterling, and John Sterling's fantastic. Michael is fantastic. Um, I think David Cohen is excellent on the air. Um, so I think that you can blend all of those things. Really, what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell the story of baseball. And whether you're doing it in a written article, whether you're doing it on a Zoom interview right here, whether uh, you're, you're on the air calling the play-by-play of a game, radio or TV, I think that it all boils down to understanding what you're seeing and trying to relay that to the fans because that's really what it's about. It's about the fans who are enjoying the game. and uh, I think that the more that the fans can learn about the game, the more they appreciate it and the more they enjoy it and it keeps them coming back for more.
1: So going to 2007, you were named the Yankees com beat reporter. So what was that accomplishment like for you?
2: Oh, man, that was that was a crazy day. I remember, like I said, uh, I, I kind of touched on it before, but in 2006, I had been freelancing a little bit for the Mets. I was a backup reporter under uh, Marty Noble at Mets.com, and uh, Marty got sick. I think he got hurt. He fell down. I couldn't go to the winter meetings that year. So the winter meetings were... Maybe in Las Vegas, uh, I, I don't remember, but anyway, they all kind of blend together because they're all a hotel, and you never leave the hotel for four days. So I had heard that Mark Feinstein, who was our Yankees.com reporter at the time, and I later wind up writing a book with Mark, I heard he got a deal with the New York Daily News. And so I made sure anybody who had any say in that, uh, in that decision, I made sure, like I said, I know you guys have had me covering the Mets. I've only done a little Yankees to this point. You know, I went to Yankee Stadium a little bit. I remember talking to Aaron Boone; who was a player, and that kind of stuff. But um, I I said, if there's any way you would consider me, I would totally call Yankee Stadium home. Like, that would be great for me. I had been kind of campaigning for a a full-time beat. I think I came close on the Orioles the year before that. So I was... So the idea of having to getting to stay in New York and cover a franchise as decorated as the Yankees, I was 24 years old. Like, that was a dream job. Um, and so, um, you yeah, know, a couple days before Christmas, like I said, or somewhere between Christmas and New Year's, they called me and said, would you like to be our Yankees beat reporter uh, starting on January 1st? And I said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even have to think about it. And uh, Like I said, I took that job before I even asked what it paid. It didn't matter. The answer was Yes.
0: Okay, so fast forward 11 years, now it's 2018, and you published your first book called The Baby Bombers, The Inside Store of the Yankees New Dynasty. So what inspired you to write that book after 11 years of being the beat reporter for the Yankees?
2: You know, the book was kind of the thing that I'd always thought about, just kind of this abstract thing, like, oh, I'd like to go skydiving someday, you know, but it was never, I had a plan to do it. And then, uh, if you remember back that year, that was when the Baby Bombers were, Huge. Aaron Judge was bursting on the scene. He was—he was, he was going to win Rookie of the Year in 2017. Uh, he had 52 home runs. He won the Home Run Derby at the All Star Game. And um, somewhere around after the Home Run Derby at the All Star Game, a publisher reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, you're on the ground floor here. You're—you're you're living with the Yankees every single day. You go where they where they go. We want to know about this Aaron Judge guy." And we went back and forth about a Judge book a little bit. And I said, "You know, there's a better story here." there's a bigger story to tell. And what I wanted to tell was the story of how the Derek Jeter Yankees became the Aaron Judge Yankees. And then that kind of brought in Dede Gregorius and uh, Gary Sanchez and Luis Severino. And of course, Brian Cashman, who's the architect of all of it. Uh, Joe Girardi as the manager. And I said, that's, that, that's a better book than just talking about Aaron Judge. And uh, that turned out to be a good move because a couple of like quick judge biographies came out that year. And a third one would have just kind of, a uh, bit of noise, I think, but the, the fact that we had that inside baseball stuff, and I got great time sitting down. Uh, obviously, these guys knew me because I had been around the team every day, so being able to pick their brains and you know go into Cashman's office and say, all right, when you, when you were going after Didi Gregorius, what made him so appealing for you? And kind of to go back all the way to 2014 when they've got Jeter leaving, and now it's like, all right, who's next? And then they were able to find that next core. Uh, that's what I wanted to write about. And look, they, don't, they all didn't pan out. You know, Judge has been great, uh, but he's been hurt a little bit. Sanchez has had his ups and downs. He's been more good than bad. Severino has been good, but now he's hurt. And Greg Berg didn't pan out. So um, that's the thing with scouting. You never know who, how many of them you're going to get. But if you get a few good ones like an Aaron Judge, you're going to be in really good shape. And that's where the Yankees are now with Judge, Labor Torres, guys like that. So since you
1: cover the Yankees, how how do you think signing Cole will impact them? And do you compare this signing to any other signings an MLP team has made or the Yankees?
2: Mm, I mean, it's it's such a huge signing for so many reasons. Because if you go back a couple years, the one knock against the Yankees was, well, they don't have the starting pitching. And now you've not only gotten an ace right-hander, but you took him away from the Astros, a team that has really been a thorn in their side and knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So uh, the Astros are weaker. Uh, the Yankees are stronger, and that's that's worth every dollar on Garrett Cole. And, you know, I can't wait to see him pitch in pinstripes because uh, I feel like we've been waiting forever for it. But I just from being around him a little bit in spring training, it was really impressive to see the way he worked. It's not just the fastball and then the breaking ball and stuff, which is nasty. It's really nasty. But it's. Uh, He's like a professor of pitching. I, I talk about a lot, you know, and just watching how guys congregated his locker. They wanted to talk pitching with him, whether it was hitters, uh, coaches, other pitchers, like they broke it down with Cole because he saw the game on a different level. Uh, there was a day during spring training where he was just kind of throwing on a backfield in Tampa and, and they were doing simulated innings. He was facing some of the guys on his team and the media was in the third base dugout. And so he pitched his inning. He came in. I don't think it's a joke. It was a catcher. And he sits down next to Higgin. He's like, All right, so why did you call a change up here against this guy? What were you trying to do? And I said, Whoa, it's like February 20, and like you are locked in on this. And so um, that was kind of a glimpse of uh, what I think Garrett Cole is going to bring to the Yankees. I think he's super serious about what he does. I think he's an intense competitor. I think that uh, he is just, a, he's kind of a level above most guys because, you know, I don't know if you've been to a spring training, but. A lot of guys, when they're in there for the first or second time, they just throw their pitches and then they go shower and they're off to the golf course, whatever. The fact that Cole really wanted to kind of dig in and get to know his catchers and, and kind of find out why do we do this here against this guy and what did you see and, like, how are we going to attack these guys, I can't wait to see it in the regular season. I think it's going to be really cool.
0: Okay, so our next question is, last year you co-published your second book called Mission 27. So how do you choose that topic about the Yankees' last World Series race?
2: Yeah, that was a cool project for me, especially. Like I said, Mark and I, Mark Byneson and I uh, worked on that together, and we were both on the beat in 2009. And so there was so much going on that season with the closing of the old stadium, the opening of the new one, the fact that they signed CeCe Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, Mark Teixeira, Nick Swisher came over in a trade. You had so many big personalities uh, coming into that clubhouse to open the new stadium. And at the same time, you had the core four still there. You had Derek Jeter, Ori Pistada, Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, um, Alex Rodriguez. Who knew that that was going to be the only time he ever held the World Series trophy? Who knew that this was going to be the last time that Jeter and Mariano and those guys could? So um, there was just a lot that went into 2009 that I felt like we almost didn't really appreciate it at the time I mean you know they spent a ton of money they opened this beautiful new ballpark and then you figured all right they're gonna go win a world series again in 2010 2011 2012 and then when it didn't happen it was kind of like wow 2009 was more special than we uh realized at the time especially once you know you watch Mariano retire in 2013 and Derek goes the, the year later and Asana and Pettit are gone as well and you realize uh wow 2009 was kind of that standalone championship year but there was so much going on in the Bronx that we didn't really even get to you're just kind of trying to keep your head above water that year and so uh to go back 10 years later and what was great about that was Mark and I knew almost all of the players on that team really well like we, we already had their phone numbers and stuff and so it was easy to track them down and kind of they, they loved going back into that year because, uh, I mean, for a lot of them, that was their only championship, and for most of them, it was the, the most recent World Series championship. And so, um, to get those guys, I, I talk about it, it was like going to your high school reunion and just kind of hanging out with your old friends. and hearing stories that you didn't even know happened that year i didn't know they had a big pool party where everybody wound up in the pool with their clothes on but it happened and so um i wish we knew it at the time but uh there was a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff that people felt comfortable telling us 10 years later which was great
1: so moving on to the next question i think yesterday we all had great news at the mlb season we finally started so how did you feel about that were you very excited like we were
2: Yeah, it's great. I mean, I have always thought that we were going to have baseball in some form or fashion. Um, You know, obviously, this is bigger than just pro sports. I mean, there's a a global pandemic going on, but the fact that we can, uh, it looks like at least get the ball rolling, get get off the ground, restart spring training, uh, get guys to their home parks, the fact that, you know, we're going to see an opening day. I I think that would be fantastic for everybody. I, I wish we were in a situation where there could be fans in the stands. So this is going to be kind of a weird, strange year. and I, It's going to be a shorter year. Um, it's almost like if you're on August 1st and every team is tied for first place, and then you're just all going to sprint for the finish line. So it's going to be a weird, strange year. It's going to be different than any other season I've covered. Um, you know, as a reporter, we're used to being in the ballpark very early in the day. We go down to the clubhouse. We talk to the guys in the locker room. You get one-on-one conversations and, it's not going to happen this year. This year we're going to be doing a lot of stuff by Zoom, which is okay. I mean, we all understand that it's just a strange year and we're going to have to roll with it. But um, whatever it takes to get baseball back, I was in favor of it. So um, I'm happy they finally came to agreement. I wish the season was longer than 60 games. But, you know, you take what you can get. <laughs> Um, the fact that if the virus can hold up, we'll have a World Series, I think you got to count that as a win at this point. We've had uh, so much time without pro sports that it'll be really good to have baseball back.
0: Okay, so now we have, like, I think seven or eight really quick questions. It's opinion-based. These questions are for okay. just for our viewers to hear some of your thoughts on different players and teams. And our first one is DeGrom or Cole, that's pitching-wise. Who do you like better? Even before of Cole came to the Yanks. Ooh.
2: Well, I gotta say Cole now, but Degrom three straight Cy Youngs—that's pretty impressive. So, um, but I'm gonna go with Cole. I think that he probably should have won the Cy Young last year, and you can partially blame me. I was one of the voters uh, for that. and I went Verlander one, Cole two. It wouldn't have made a difference because there were enough people that voted Verlander one. But um, you know, I think that if I had known I was gonna be covering Derek Cole for the next nine years, I probably would have given him my, my first place vote. Yeah, I think Verlander kind of won it for the season, but Cole definitely
1: won it for the postseason.
2: Absolutely. And here's the thing is that we have to have those votes in by the last day of the regular season. So I had to have that vote in by September 28 or whatever it is. So none of the postseason actually counts in that. And I looked at Burlander had a, a better season wire to wire. Cole kind of started slow, and then he really caught fire in about May or June. So um, the fact that Burlander threw a no hitter, the fact that he came back from kind of his career going up, down. I thought it was a good story. and So, I mean, you could have flipped the coin, and they would have been fine either way on that one, I feel like.
1: So for this question, we don't want you to be so biased, but who do you think has a more talented team, the Dodgers or the Yankees?
0: Wow.
2: Um, you know, I, honestly, I go Yankees. I, I know the Dodgers, they're, uh, they're the team to beat in the National League, but I go Yankees. I think that adding Cole, you really – Like I said, that was the one thing that you would say, oh, they don't have the starting pitching. Now they do. They've got that pace so you can throw out there three times in a playoff series if you have to. And, um, you know, they're going to mash. And Yankee Stadium, especially the team... It was built to crush in that ballpark. And you saw what they did last year when they weren't healthy. They had 30 guys on the injured list, 39 stints, and they still won 103 games in a regular season. So um, I, I think the Yankees are stacked. I think they have the best team in baseball. Maybe I'm biased because I get to watch them all the time, but I, they, they're they're still my World
0: Series pick. Okay, so our next question is, what are your thoughts on the Astros team's Because I know I hate it because I'm a Yankees fan, but he's a Mets fan, so there, everyone has different opinions. So what, what are your thoughts on it?
2: Well, I think it's a shame it's bad for baseball. I'm glad that there has been some punishment. I think a lot of people wanted to see more punishment on that. Um, But, you know, as somebody who's around the Yankees all the time, I can tell you the Yankees are really upset about it. You know, Aaron Judge doesn't really voice his opinions that much. And for that, he made it very clear how mad he was at the Astros. and, And rightfully so. I mean, the Yankees season ended in 2017 in Houston, last year in Houston, Uh, The year before that, the Red Sox knocked them out in the division series, and now the Red Sox and the Astros have both been disciplined for stuff uh, that they did for sign-stealing in this whole era. So, look, I know teams are always going to try and get an edge, I think. Um, You know, sign-stealing is part of the game. That's legal. Um, But when you're using technology to do it, when you're using this high-tech camera equipment and relaying it, whether they were using buzzers, I know there's no proof of that, but we know about the garbage can stuff – I just think it's Bush league and um, it really denigrates the competition on the field. It it takes it down. And so I'm hopeful that the game can police itself and we don't have to see anything like that again, but I have a feeling teams are always going to be looking for an edge and maybe it won't be technology wise, but somehow somebody's going to try and find out what pitch is coming because there's so much value in that. And uh, look, the Astros proved it. (laughs) It works. There's a reason you do it. So um, it's going to be up to baseball to police that and make sure it doesn't happen anymore.
1: So, who would you rather start on your team? This one's was tough for me, but Rendon or Bregman?
2: Oh, are we drafting a fantasy team?
1: Just, like, saying who you you would rather have on, like, your team.
2: That's a tough call. That's a tough call. I mean, you know, I probably would go Bregman, but Rendon is so good. Um. I feel like Bregman Brick, loses points for me just because of his association with the Astros, and so I was really looking forward to this year because I felt like they were going to get booed everywhere they went. I thought they were going to have a miserable year, and now it looks like they're not going to have fans in the stands, so maybe they're going to be off the hook. Who knows? But I know at least in spring training they were getting
0: booed a lot. And, yeah, because um, Altuve, so, I'm pretty sure, I hit like four times in a row in the back just for them to boo that.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that still could happen. The players might not forget about it even when things get going. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Rendon just because I think Bregman's lost the points in my book for his association with uh, the whole thing.
1: I would go with Rendon, too, even though he kind of killed the Mets a little bit. I
2: just think he's uh, he has better tools than Bregman. Yeah.
0: Right. So we yeah, like have... I,
2: said, I don't I don't know if there's a wrong
0: call there. So, we have three last questions, and this one's also a player thing. It's for Even though both of them are getting old, Yair, Molina, or Buster Posey just play like career-wise for catching?
2: Oh, wow. Hard to go against Yadi. I mean, he's been so good back there for so long, and I know that, you know, ah, Buster. Wow, that's a tough goal. I'll, I'll go Yadi, but it's close. It's really close. So, this one's kind of a double
1: question. Like, first, like, it's the same people, but like, who do you think was a better player Derek Keeter or Mariano Rivera and which one was your favorite um, and which one was wow your...
2: that is a good question I mean it's hard to compare a shortstop to a closer but and Derek played every day but Mariano I mean Mariano was there when it counted the most uh he was there you know succeeded in the most pressure packed situations look I, I'll go with this you're given me some time to think about it I guess Mariano Rivera is the greatest closer in baseball history. The greatest relief pitcher. Derek Jeter is one of the greatest shortstops, but he is not the greatest shortstop. So I gotta say, Mariano, he's the best ever at what he did. Nobody's gonna ever get 652 saves. Um, you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of Yankees. There, I mean, Derek and Mariano belong with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. But if I gotta pick one guy, uh, I'll go with Mo. Um, and they were both great to cover. I mean, that was the coolest thing was coming on the beat in 2007 and being there for so long, I got to cover years and years of their careers and got to know them on a first-name basis, and they knew my first name, and, you know, we would talk about stuff that wasn't in baseball. You know, one of my favorite memories is when uh, Mariano called me over to his locker in Kansas City one day, and he wanted to talk. He asked me, do you have a girlfriend? And I said, yeah, yeah, I've been dating a girl for three or four years, and he says, oh, you have to marry that girl. Like he started telling me about his life advice and why it was so important to have a wife and what his wife meant to him and his career. And I was just kind of like, wow, this is a lot different than what we usually talk about, but he wanted to talk about it that day. And I did wind up marrying that girl eventually, and she's my wife, and we have two daughters now. So kind of a cool story, the fact that Mariano gave it kind of his stamp of approval.
0: Okay, so our last question before we end off this podcast, is this is probably the biggest question of all. Who do you think is going to win the World Series this year? If there is one, just not biased. See, I'm guessing Yanks, because that's what I think too. Because <laughs> based on the top two, thi- two teams, in my opinion, are Yanks and Dodgers. who said Yanks are better. So if I'm guess, it's going to be Yankees, that's, that's my guess. Even though I could be biased, I'm a huge Yankees fan. So what do you think? this?
2: I'm going Yankees all the way. I think that this is their year. I, I said that February and March. Um, it's obviously going to be different now. And, you know, that's the thing with this 60-game uh, season. The Yankees are really built, most teams are built for the marathon, for 162. The fact that you're playing only 60 now, if you lose 8 out of 10, that can really hurt your chances of uh, being in this uh, in the postseason. So, they're going to have to make sure that they continue, a, that you can't fall into any long losing streaks, but I do feel like they have the depth. I feel like they're going to outslug a lot of teams. Adam Cole is huge, but on top of that, guys like Tanaka, guys like Jay Happ, uh, uh, Jordan Montgomery, these guys are going to have to play a role. James Paxton, um, they, they're going to have to lead the pitching staff because I feel like uh, the starter's going to have to carry it along the way. And, um, you're going to really push guys a little further than you would if it was a longer season because these games are just going to be so important. Every game is almost going to be like a playoff game.
0: So that's going to end off our podcast. And thanks so much, Brian, for joining us again. We really, really do appreciate it. And to our listeners, please make sure to donate to our GoFlemmy charity to help COVID-19 rule EVE. More the link is in our bio on Instagram. And please comment, follow, and drop a like on our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. Thanks a lot, Brian, and just have a great day and stay safe.
2: You got it, guys. Thank you for having me and uh pleasure and good luck. And thank you for the listeners
1: for listening. And Brian, we hope you enjoy the shortened season. I hope we all do. So yeah,
0: thank, you, thank, thank you guys so much. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you.